There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Thomas Dinas, and this is the Delicious Legacy Podcast. Welcome back to another archaeogastronomical adventure. This time we'll uh, travel all the way back to ancient Greece. I know I'm taking you to a very different era from the previous episode. I'm sorry about this uh, historic pendulum. We're going back and forth in different eras, but... Um, This time, I want to talk a little bit about my favorite um, foodie hero from the past, Archestratus, who in many ways might as well be a very fictional character. All the way back to season one, episode um, 11, back in 2020, so almost three years ago now, I did talk, um, I did make a rather imaginative um, account of his life based um, on the very few fragments that we have surviving of his work and generally constructing um, the life in ancient um, Mediterranean around the year 320 BCE. Of course, some of uh, that might be true, some of it might not be true, but it's always uh, rather interesting trying to figure out the character of a person who lived so far in the past and from uh, and the very few surviving fragments of his work that we have in our possession today. Of course, I'm going to concentrate in Archestatus' uh, Life of Luxury, which is a unique poem written in the 4th century BC, supposedly from Archestatus of Gela, a Greek colony in the island of uh, Sicily. And on this episode, I want to talk about the surviving fragments that we have, mostly from uh, Dipnos of Hister, Athena's collection of uh, philosophers at dinner, which is another very interesting bit from the ancient world about food, which we're definitely going to explore in future episodes. So Athena's work, Philosophers at Dinner, was composed much, much later. It was composed around AD 200. But uh, clearly it seems to be a document, a poem, or a work that has been really valued by Athena's since it has been quoted many, many times um, in the books. Of course, it's not surprising that we don't have anything else uh, surviving from Archestatus. So much of the literature of the ancient world has been lost, especially if you think even the famous poet, uh, Sappho, her her work is almost lost in its entirety. We only know uh, very few things about Sappho's work, 
very few fragments survive to this day. So imagine a work like Archestratus, it was not considered as high literature back then, how much more difficult it is to have surviving uh, fragments from. So yeah, on today's episode, I would like to give you the English translations of these uh, fragments as appear in uh, the translation from uh, John Wilkins and Sean Hill from Prospect Books. And um, yeah, think about, um, you can actually see each fragment as a recipe and what that tells us about Archestratus and about cooking in ancient Greece and also in modern Greece too. Mainly we'll see that the fragments concern commentary on fish and fish cooking. But there are others about wine and about bread and very few about meat. And yeah, um, it might seem like there might be two contradictory paths here. One that tells us that fish was significant for ancient Greeks and therefore it was more important to talk about fish and how you cook fish. But also... The other is that uh, fish was very expensive and a luxury food, and hence it was in uh, the epic poem called Life of Luxury, or Hidipathia in Greek. And that's why he's concentrating on talking about fish in this poem. Fish and seafood, of course. It's, it's, it's rather a very interesting um, piece of work to try and um, analyse and find out for ourselves the way we want to see it. What are we trying to see here? Something, a product of luxury, and yet uh, to get the best of it, you have to cook it simply, or something that more everyday citizens ate. Of course, it's not that simple, because we know a lot more about ancient Greek uh, life, and um, we do know from evidence, archaeological and um, literature evidence too, how the people in ancient Mediterranean lived, and how stratified um, in different classes the society was, we know that women would lived in, in a status below men and you had slaves and there, there was big populations of slaves in ancient Greece. So not everybody had access to the best of foods, obviously. Even so, at some point around the 4th century BC, Mediterranean was a giant lake in a sense. Everybody was traveling and commerce around the different civilizations was high. So there were people and families who were prosperous. There were citizens that they were able to have wealth and show off their wealth in, uh, through food in many different ways. Okay, so let's start with uh, fragment number one from Athenaeus uh, 4e. Archestratus of Syracuse or Gela wrote a work called by Chrysippus, Gastronomia, and by Linnaeus and Callimachus, The Life of Luxury by Clearchus, an account of dining, by others, the art of good cooking, an epic poem whose first line is, I offer an exhibition of my investigations to the whole of Greece. This line does nothing to help us define Archestratus. Was he from Syracuse or he was from Gela? He was definitely from Sicily, which is uh, at least a start. And what was uh, his book called? We have so many different possible titles here. Fascinating already. And yeah, we do see the scale of the ambition of the work. The whole of Greece. And um, by Greece, of course, I guess it means um, the 
ancient Greek world, which was stretching throughout Mediterranean and the Black Sea. You had colonies of Greek cities from Spain to what is modern-day Ukraine and Russia. Cities dotted all across the northern coast of uh, Turkey in the Black Sea and all across the Mediterranean, the Aegean Sea in the, in the modern-day Turkey. And of course, modern Greece and uh, all of the south and Italy and Sicily, there were many, many, many Greek um, cities in France and so on. Fragment 2. This Archestratus, in his love for Plagius, travelled over every land and sea with precision in a desire, as it seems to me, to review with care the things of the belly and imitating the writers of geographical descriptions and voyages. His desire is to set forth everything precisely, wherever the best to eat and the best to drink are to be found. Clearly here we see the motivation of Archestratus in the words of Athenaus as being pleasure and uh, finding the best things to eat from all over the place, from all over the world, and tell us in detail what's what. A very noble cause, in my opinion, and something that um, clearly has a resonance in our day and age with all these uh, travel and food uh, programs that we see on TV so often. And of course the books as well. Fragment 3. Athenaeus 457c. In book 1 of his work on Proverbs, Clearchus writes, The teasing out of riddles is not alien to philosophy, and the ancients displayed their educational training by means of them. In putting forward a riddle among the drinkers, they were not like modern people who ask which form of sex is most pleasurable, or which or what kind of fish is sweetest, or which is most in season, or which is particularly eaten after Arcturus rises, or the Pleiades, or the Dog Star. In addition to this, they offer a prize for the winner's kisses, which are hateful to men of free birth and sensibility, and as punishments for the losers, they stipulate the drinking of unmixed wine, which they drink more readily than the cup of health. In short, this is what you would expect of a man who was at home with the writings of Phileanis and Archestratus, and who was keen on the so-called gastrologies. So it is worth mentioning here that by talking about Arcturus and Pleiades, we're talking about the constellations. Uh, so when these constellations were visible, I guess, from uh, the Mediterranean in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, so Arcturus, I guess, that would be either the Ursa Major or the main star in the constellation of Bodies. So that would be visible generally in um, April, mid-spring, something like that. And then with Pleiades, that's the Greek pronunciation of the constellation of Pleiades, which uh, should be in the most um, visible in autumn, so early autumn. So I guess that's when the fish were more uh, fat and then plentiful, like early spring or early autumn. So it seems like Archestratus was um, given as an example of somebody who's writing about all these pleasures and about finding all these details, uh, where to find the best fish and what time, what's the best season to eat it or uh, fish it and, and so on and so on. And all these uh, uh, seem to be works of uh, lower interest rather than philosophical and higher intellectually worthy causes. Fragment 4. Athenaeus 
111E. Archestratus, in his gastronomy, discourses on barley meal and breads as follows. First, then, I will list the gifts of Demeter of the fair tresses, my dear Moschus. Keep it safe in your heart. Now the best to get hold of, and the finest of all, cleanly bolted from barley with a good grain, is in Lesbos, in the wave-surrounded breast of famous Eressus. It is whiter than snow from the sky. If the gods ate barley groats, then Hermes must come and buy it for them from there. In seven gated Thebes, too, it is reasonably good, and in Thassos and some other cities. But it is like grape pips compared with the lesbian. Get an idea clearly in your head. Get hold of a Thessalian roll, rounded into a circle and well pounded by hand. They themselves call this roll Krimnitas, but others call it Hondrinos bread. Then I praise the son of fine wheat flour from Tegea, ash bread, bread made in the market famous Athens provides for mortals of an excellent quality. In Erythrae, which bears clusters of grapes, a white bread comes out of the oven, bursting with the delicate flavors of the season and will bring pleasure at the feast. In this quite long passage, and in the commentary in Athenos, we have a very quick tour of, uh, of Greek places that we might recognize some of them today. So obviously Lesbos is the island of Lesbos, which is in the north-east uh, Aegean, very near the coast of Turkey. And um, they do have great um, agricultural um, tradition there. Uh, even today, there's great bread um, and uh, barley and um, olives and olive oil. And uh, then Tol tells us about um, Thassos, the island, um, again, North Greece, um, very near modern-day Kavala. The city of Kavala is in the mainland and Thassos is the island across it. And then talks about Thebes. We all know Thebes in uh, mainland Greece, south, a couple of hours north of Athens. Then he talks obviously about Athens, about the markets of Athens and how they provide great bread for the masses. And Thessalian, Thessalian role and Thessaly is the modern day region. The modern day Thessaly region is in central Greece where you have um, great um, uh, valleys with agricultural products, especially wheat. So again, bread making basket of mainland Greece in a sense. And yeah, it tells us all about the famous breads these regions have and how they call them and so on. And the breads uh, Krimnitas and Hodrinos derive from the terms for coarsely milled barley. Fragment 5, Athenos Fragment 112b. After this, the Seth Archestratus advises that you have a bread maker from Phoenicia or Lydia, unaware of the fact that bread makers from Cappadocia are the best. Get yourself a man from Phoenicia or Lydia in your house, a man who will know how to make every kind of bread product on a daily basis, whatever your order. So clearly here we have, uh, we have Athenaeus talking about commenting on the superiority of Cappadocian bread, but he doesn't give us any more details. He just says then what Archestratus says, bring a Phoenician man or a Lydian man to make bread for you. They know the best. So clearly we have here a tradition of uh, houses which could afford the uh, cook, cook slaves or slave cooks to bring them from the east. They know how to make uh, bread best. And Phoenicia is more or less basically the modern day uh, Lebanon, the state of Lebanon. And then obviously Lydia is um, 
in southwest um, Turkey in today in today's geographical terms. Fragment six, Athenos sixty four a bulbs. I bid farewell to vinegar dishes of bulbs and plant stalks and to all the other side dishes. By bulbs, probably mean here the hyacinth and the Irish family of um, um, plants, which um, their their bulbs were eaten as appetizers in antiquity. And for plant stalks, we guess that it might mean cabbage, or it might mean something like silphium, or other kind of um, herbs that they were eaten dressed with vinegar. So basically, it's been very dismissive of this side dishes of this um, kind of cheap food. Although it's kind of surprising, I guess that just dismisses this uh, these appetizers since um, there were things to whet the appetite to open for better things to come, and especially when he talks about olives at some other points. Fragment seven, Athenaeus fifty six c, Archestratus his gastronomy. Let them serve you wrinkled and tree ripened olives. So as we see here, we're coming to direct contradiction with the passage before, that he dismisses these appetizers, but for olives, it's fine. And Athenaeus goes on on this passage to quote lots of different olive preparations and different olives. I'll be back after this short break. Today's episode is brought to you with the welcome support of Malbin Greek, UK's leading Greek delicatessen, supplier and distributor of premium Greek produce. Whatever your needs, Malbin Greek has you covered. You can shop online and have the divine and delicious goods delivered to your doorstep across the UK, or you can visit the shop at Art17 Apollo Business Park, Lucy Way, SC16, 4ET, Bermondsey, London. Malby and Greek, the one-stop shop for your Greek fix. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. 
My name's Dr Neil Buttery and I'm host of the British Food History Podcast, a podcast that you, as a fan of the delicious legacy, might be interested in. I explore British food and its history in all its glory, with interviews with special guests, recipes, reenactments, and tracking down forgotten recipes and hyper-regional specialities. Previous topics include medieval eels, 18th century dining, curry, London street food sellers, breakfast, and the good old Yorkshire pudding. Search for the British Food History Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And now, back to the delicious legacy. Cheers. Fragment 8. Athenos 298E. Concerning the eel, Archestratus records this. Eels. I praise all eels, but by far the best is the eel caught from the sea off the Straits of Regium. There, citizen of Messina, in being able to put such food to your lips you are richer than all the other mortals. Of course, the eels of Copais and Strimon have a great reputation for excellence. They're huge and amazingly fat. All in all, I believe the eel lords eat over everything else at the feast and is a guide to pleasure, though it is the only fish that has no scrotum. We can see here the praise of the eels is very high. Clearly the fact that they're fat and they're big, they have... Uh, they, they have an importance and very, it is a very attractive proposition to the Greeks. So we see here in one passage, uh, Archestratus finding eels from sea, from river and from lake. And uh, yeah, Lake Copais, which is north of Thebes, is one place that um, you find uh, eels apparently. And Region is uh, in um, modern day Calabria in South Italy. It was another important Greek colony there. And of course, Trimon is a river in modern Greece, which is uh, in North Greece and um, comes out in the Aegean. Of course, eels are a delicacy in many cultures in modern world too. And um, here, in a world of advice, it's better not to eat eels anymore because they're very dangerous and we don't know how to reproduce them in captivity anyway. So it's kind of a thing we shouldn't eat really. But I guess it's worth mentioning that it used to be a delicacy. Fragment 9. Athenaeus 285b. Archestratus, the Daedalus of taste dishes, says, Small fry, value as shit, all small fry, except the Athenian kind. I'm speaking of guanos, which the Ionians call foam. Get it when fresh and caught in the beautiful bay of Phaleron, in its sacred arms. It is also of good quality in the wave-girt roads, if it's local fish. And, if perhaps you desire to taste it, you should buy at the same time sea nettles nettles with long locks. Mix them together and bake them on a frying pan, grinding the fragrant flowers of the greens in oil. Mm, at last, something like a, a recipe here. So small fish fried with some uh, sea vegetables in olive oil. What could be more simple and Greek and tasty? The language here is quite interesting. Value as shit. So that's, that's um, surprisingly comic. I guess um, one can be absolutely certain about specific uh, foods, if they like it or not, I guess. Phaleron, obviously, it's uh, modern-day Athens, the bay in Athens, which I wouldn't um, advise to eat anything from there. Pollution is quite high. But yeah, from roads, sounds good to me. In terms of small fish, I guess here we're talking about sprats and other various species like whitebait perhaps even sardines, and uh, the fragrant flowers that mentioned of the greens, I guess are the tips of the nettles, which are to be eaten young, 
And the fact about eating uh, young nettles is mentioned also in different um, uh, writings, like in Aristophanes' uh, Nights, and then Galen about tender plants. And of course, frying was happening in a specialized frying pan, Terganon, which archaeologists and, uh, have unearthed in ancient Athens, uh, many examples of it. Fragment 10. Clearchus, the Periperatic, in his work on Proverbs, says of small fry, because they need little heat in the pan, the school of Archestratus directs that small fry be tossed onto a hot pan and taken off sizzling. So here in Athenos we have a passage, a quote taken from Clearchus, talking about what Archestratus says, or the school of Archestratus, which could be all cooks, or it could be literally the people who followed Archestratus around, like students or pupils. And um, yeah, again we see here how to cook simply small fried fish. Fragment 11, Athenaeus 300d. The elops must be eaten especially in famous Syracuse, for there you'll find the very best. It originated from there in the first place. So when it is cut off the islands, or of Asia indeed, or Crete, it comes thin and tough and battered by the waves. A bit more of a mystery here. Elops, we don't certainly know what fish it is. Some people talk about sturgeons, especially as it was common ones in the Western Mediterranean. You will see here that um, Archestratus says that this fish suffers when it's traveling too far. So basically, do not eat uh, fish from far away, like from uh, the Greek islands in Aegean or Asia. When they were talking about Asia, we were talking about the coast of modern-day Turkey. Fragment 12. Athenaeus 328b. Wise Archestratus, in his council, says, The guild head... Do not pass by the fat guildhead from Ephesus, which the local people call Ioniscos, little Ionian. Get one of those babes of holy Selinus. Wash it properly, then bake it and serve it whole, even if it's ten cubits long. Perhaps here Athenaeus is a bit sarcastic, calling Archestratus wise, but uh, regardless of that um, fact, <laughs> we can proceed that um, he does know about where to get the best uh, guildhead brim. So the sea brim of uh, the Med today. So obviously this fish is uh, really popular in Greece today and in Turkey and still one of the best fish to eat, also quite um, rare in the wild nowadays. There is an epic flavor to the phrase babes of holy Selinus. So this is the river that comes out of uh, Ephesus to the sea and uh, it's a good example of a sea fish that uh, it's best in estuaries. <laughs> and 10 cubits long for baking, uh, it's a normal size, over uh, 300 centimeters. But uh, yeah, I mean, you you could find wild specimens today of 60 centimeters or a little bit more, but that's very rare. Fragment 13. Athenaeus 320b. The parrotfish, Scaros. Bake the great parrotfish at Halcedon by the sea after rinsing it well. You will also see a good and large one in Byzantium carrying a body resembling a circling shield. Prepare it whole as follows. Cover completely with cheese and oil and hang it in a hot oven. Then bake well. Sprinkle with salt, mix with cumin and yellow-gray oil, pouring down from your hand the God-given stream. Again here we see the variety of different fish that they were um, common or popular or desirable in, ancient, in the ancient world. Parlfish is another fish that um, is all over the Mediterranean, but it's not very popular, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think, today. 
as an aside, we see that uh, here we mentioned the recipe, and this is a recipe that uh, I made a few times. I tried to make uh, anyway. I tried to to construct it in a way that uh, makes sense, because we see here we have one of these um, interesting aspects: the cheese and fish, that which is a no-no in the modern, especially Italian cuisine. You don't find that at all. Uh, but for orchestrators to mention and um, create that recipe. It's quite remarkable because usually he's concentrated in the simple dishes, how to make something, uh, prepare something fresh, simple. So we have here, we're making, I guess, a paste of cheese and oil and cumin, and then you hang it in a hot oven, which means that this crust must remain on the fish somehow, must uh, stay there, which is a very interesting um, point. And uh, yeah, this recipe... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I've done it a few times and it's always a bit of a conundrum. What is you going to use that is not going to melt away from the fish? And how are you going to hang the fish in a hot oven? And all that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've done it on a baking parchment, lying uh, flat on the on the oven in, a, in, a, in an oven tray. So I cover the flesh all around with a mixture of um, cheese and oil and cumin like a hard cheese grated so you can uh, bake basically and make a crust but yeah i don't know i mean it tastes nice but um having a brilliant fish and then the overpowering um taste of cheese i don't know i think it's one of these things that it does go but i guess you have to find the right fish and i guess it has to be the right amount of cheese that's that's something that um, definitely needs uh, more investigation and I would like to hear more about that from people who made this dish before. And yeah, yeah, the cities that it mentions, Halkedon and Byzantium, they're both um, of Slugno Byzantium, which is a modern-day Istanbul, or the ancient Constantinople. So that was first a Greek colony called Byzantium. And then opposite the Straits, uh, there was another colony called Halkedon. So, so yeah, it's a great place for fish and has long tradition since then until today, this area. On my Patreon page, by the way, I'll put um, notes with all the name places that are mentioned here, so you can see where these different places are in modern geographical terms. I guess using parrot fish for this recipe, which is a ruminant fish, maybe suits it, maybe it's not a delicate fish at all, maybe it has a really strong taste and it will work with cheese, uh, so it's not delicate, I guess it's not a delicate fish. And yeah, uh, maybe that's why orchestra just uses cheese and hangs it in the oven and then the cheese kind of drips away and melts and um, counter-effects the dryness. It will cook, but it won't be dry. Uh, maybe that's another way to do it. Fragment 14. Athenos 316A. Onos, donkeyfish. And Anthendon nurtures a good-sized donkeyfish, which they call Calarias but its flesh has a certain spongy quality and in other respects is unpleasant in my opinion. Others thought praise it. Some of course like one thing, others another. So this donkey fish could be, could well be the hake or it could be something else, which again, we are not entirely sure what, given that a lot of fish have um, multiple names from different um, places across the ancient world. The place to get that, Anthendon, is in uh, in Viotia, in modern Viotia, opposite Eubea, small fishing community. 
And uh, I guess the currents in the channel have uh, lots of different um, uh, fish. And Archestratus uh, describes the flesh as spongy. So in here, he kind of um, admits that he probably doesn't like it. It's not to his taste. Although there are others, of course, that they think it's great. So he kind of gives us this ambiguity of, of uh, food that we get in with many ingredients today that people think something is great or horrible, like Marmite or Stilton or Durian. So yeah, again, that's something that we still see today and we can all relate in a way, in one way or another. Fragment 15. Athenaeus 305e. But if you go to the rich land of Ambracia and happen to see the boarfish, buy it and don't leave it behind, even if it costs its weight in gold. For fear, the dread wrath of the gods shall blast down upon you. For this fish is the flower of the nectar. It is not allowed to all mortals to eat it or even to see it with their eyes. Only those who hold it in their hands, the pleated weave of the Mars nurtured robe, and are experienced in throwing pebbles in fiery competition and tossing in ship bones. Ambrachia is in the west, western part of modern Greece, and the boarfish is a grunting fish of the river Achelus, according to Aristotle and Aelian. Uh, so Archestratus places the fish at Ambrachia, which is, um, as we said, uh, in western Greece, and has really beautiful fish um, and seafood um, tradition there. At the time of the Roman Empire, the city was really prosperous, especially in fish. What we see here is a uh, uh, big importance of this fish, uh, worth its weight in gold, and uh, it's uh, not many mortals have the chance to see it, let alone eat it, uh, which is interesting. So, yeah, who knows what it, <laughs> what this fish is. Uh, it could be some, some mullet or some... Uh, sea perch, or a grey fish like grey mallet, who knows. The ending is very interesting as well, about uh, throwing pebbles and tossing sea bones. Who knows, maybe that was a fishing technique. Fragment 16. Athenaeus 312f. And Archestratus, the pleasure philosopher, says, Between dot dot and Italy, in the strait with its narrow waves, lives the moray eel, called the floater. If a fisherman catches one, buy it. It's an amazing food from there. So here we have another praise for another species of eel, the, the mori eel, which is interesting. And yeah, it's been praised by other, by other people in the ancient world too. And yeah, mori eel is good to eat. Um, and it's called uh, here a floater, which was later popular in Rome as well. In Macrobius, we see that... Um, they used to be brought to the fish ponds at Rome from the Sicilian Arrows between Regium and Messina. So apparently that's where the best were found. Again, this fragment doesn't tell us how to cook this fish, just where to find the best. And uh, really, if you have the chance, get it. It presumes that either someone knows how to cook it or you'll have, you'll have it already cooked from there. Okay, I will leave you here for the first part of our Orchestratus uh, Life of Luxury. I'll catch you up soon for more ancient, tantalizing fragments of gastronomy. Thanks for listening. I've been Thomas Dinas, and this was the Delicious Legacy Podcast. 
Remember, this podcast can only happen with your general support. So please, please, please go to Patreon and support this podcast from $3 per month, which is less than a, less than a coffee. And um, especially considering that each episode takes about three days to do from start to finish, and then all the research going on on each episode and so on. So yeah, thank you and have a lovely time till next week. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.